Welcome to Centre Church. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Well, today we are in our final service or final message on a series titled In Such a Way. And uh, it's a passage of scripture that uh, is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 24 to 27. So I'm going to read it real quick. And then we're going to unpackage it. I'll bring you up to speed for those of you who haven't been in here the last few weeks. A little bit of what we've covered. And then I'll share from what we're going to look at today. And so it says this. It says, do, not, do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave, so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Uh, we understand from this passage, there are a few different ways that you could run your race, right? One is that you could run it aimlessly, living your Christian walk without a point, just going through life, letting life happen but without a real sense of direction. Uh, we're called to run in such a way to win, but to run aimlessly is not running to win, is it? It's just going for a, a ramble with no real direction. Uh, the next one is, is beating the air aimlessly with really no effect. We're, we're, we're putting a lot of effort into something that doesn't matter. Uh, I don't know about you, but we can get distracted in life with all sorts of things that when we look back on our life, you think that didn't matter doesn't have any eternal value. We can put a lot of energy and things into things that uh, when we look back again, it, it's insignificant. That's beating the air, right? Just beating the air is putting energy towards something that has no contact, makes no difference. Third, Paul talks about even himself becoming disqualified. Uh, I think it's missing the mark altogether. I think we can start to go against God's plan or choosing to live by the sinful nature or living in that, that space where actually God hasn't called us to live. And so even Paul says, look, I can preach to others, but I myself can be disqualified. Understanding that there's a need, each one of us, to walk out our Christian why Every day is important. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. It matters what you're doing today, correct? It's where you're going right now. Not be disqualified, not running aimlessly, and not beating the air. Over the past two weeks, we've touched on a few different aspects of what it means to run in such a way. Uh, in our first week, we looked at focusing on the prize. If you're going to run a race, you're looking at the destination, aren't you? You're, you're focused upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We focus upon Him. Uh, we also have this dependency upon God. If we want to walk in, uh, run with power and with strength, we can't do it in our own power and strength. In fact, without Him, the Bible says we can do nothing. And so if we're going to run in such a way to win, we cannot win this race that God calls us to win if we're not connected to the power source. It's only in Him that we have the strength to carry on, to fulfill what God has for our lives. We also need the support of others. Again, in a, if we look at any athlete who competes in, in any kind of competition, they always have support staff around them, even in singular sports like, a, like a, the athletics. They always will have a coaching team. They always have people around them. And we're called to meet together, right? To encourage one another. The Bible says we, did, we need to consider how we may spur one another onward to love and good works, good deeds. 
Why? Because we need that encouragement. We need that, uh, that stimulus that other people around us can offer. And so we, in running in such a way to win, we need to be connected. Last week, Tom shared about the need for discipline. Again, an athlete will go into strict training. And to have discipline, we need this passion to pursue. We need this fervor to fight. And we need to surrender to see transformation. Now today, in our last message in this series, in such a way, we're going to look at the hallmarks or the, 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 the aspect of what it means to win in the kingdom of God, to have success. What does it mean actually to win? What are we, what are we going after? You see, I think the Christian walk isn't so much about the destination, but it's about the journey, isn't it? When I was younger, it was all about the destination, and I think the older I get, the more I realize it's more about the journey than it is the destination. There are different... Uh, standards that the world have when we look at this concept of winning, what it means to win. And I think when we look at Scripture in its fullness, there are three things I think that stand out most prominent, right from the Old Testament right through to the New Testament. There's three things I think that are really clear, and really this would be my heart for Center Church, even in us leaving, these three things. And one is, first one being remaining faithful. Remaining faithful. Faithfulness is an underrated concept in today's world, isn't it? I think if we look back, some of the older people in our congregation, and you talk about faithfulness from your generation, and you knew what it means to, to kind of stick it out. And the going gets tough, you, you press in, you don't walk away. But I think as generations have progressed, even post-war, there's been an attitude of if it doesn't feel good, you, you just walk away from it. But in our Christian walk, in our walk with the Lord, we're called to be faithful. In fact, when we look at the teachings of Jesus, and in one example in particular, Jesus talked about the talents and the, the master going away and entrusting talents. And these guys had an option of what to do with the talents, what they did with the, the time that they had and the, the opportunities they had in front of them. And three of them had these talents. Two did what the master had requested and one didn't. But what's interesting is what Jesus said to the two that did what they were intended to do. He said, look, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. What was winning for the servants? It was their faithfulness to do what they had been requested to do. Be faithful. God is looking for our faithfulness in what he's entrusted to us. And I think this includes faithfulness in what he's called each one of us to put our hands to. I think you're here in this planet, in this time in history, for a purpose. I don't think anyone's here by chance. And in that, there's a, a, a calling that God has for your life, for this moment, this season. And he calls us to be faithful to those plans, to, to walk it out, to, to carry out the, the, the process, to continue until God says stop, even if things aren't going to plan. This is a lesson I think I've learned over the years, especially in the UK, is to be faithful to what God says. To be faithful. There certainly have been moments over the time we have been in this country that I have wanted to stop. And I remember the only thing that kept me going is because God hasn't said stop. Didn't say stop. And so we must carry on. And so there's something about when God says something to you, whatever that is, whatever direction God has called you to do, to just be faithful. Well done, good and faithful servant. Our faithfulness is so important. It's also being 
faithful with the resources God has entrusted to us, our gifts, our talents, our finances. You see, God knows what he's entrusted to you. Sometimes we can have a temptation to bury talents, bury giftings, bury those things. But God knows, and one day we'll all stand before him, give an account for today. The moments we have right now as to what we're doing with what God has entrusted. And he's looking for our faithfulness with the little and with the much. When much has been entrusted, the Bible says much is required. And so for you and for me, the call is this faithfulness. But then ultimately is our faithfulness in our relationship with him. We look in the Old Testament, that was one of the greatest failures that the Israelites had, is that they, they were unfaithful in their relationship with God. Our faithfulness, what does it mean to be un, unfaithful? Is when God is no longer first place in our hearts, in our lives, when actually he's just a tag on. Israel had those moments, didn't they, where they certainly had the temple, they had this aspect of worship, but they had embraced other things. And there's the unfaithfulness in their relationship with God that led to them being removed from their promised land, being uh, placed in other parts of the world. The calling for you and for me is to be faithful. And so we have this first thought of what does it mean to run in such a way to win? Winning is faithfulness. Okay? Winning is faithfulness. You're on the winning side when you're faithful in what God has called you to do. I, I think the other side of that is we sometimes look at results as to whether we're winning. But actually, when God's kingdom, it's not about the results. These early days in Brighton, I got very caught up in the results side of things. And where I felt winning was how big the church was versus winning being I'm doing what God's called me to do. That's winning. It's not comparing what I've got to what the church down the road has. That's not winning. That's not what God looks at winning is this aspect of being faithful. And the results are in God's hands, not mine. Paul says, look, Apollos and him, they, plant, you know, they planted seeds, one watered the seeds, but it's only God that can make the plant grow. And so winning wasn't the plant growing because that was God's responsibility. Winning was planting the seeds, being faithful to plant the seeds, being faithful to water the seeds. That's where the faithfulness was. That's where the winning was. The plant growing had nothing to do with them. And that's the same in our walk with God. God's looking at what we're doing. He's asked us to do. Whatever happens as a result is not the winning bit. The winning bit is you did it. You were faithful. And we can walk away from that, no matter what the results were, knowing we won in God's kingdom, in God's eyes. And that's an amazing thing. It takes the pressure off us, isn't it? The results aren't in our control. He's looking for a heart to just carry on until he says, stop, till he comes back, till something changes. We see again, Jesus said, look, we need to, when he comes back, we need to be doing what he's called us to do. Secondly, we're looking at what it means to win. It is pursuing love. Again, I think when we look at 1 Corinthians 14:1, we're told to pursue love. Winning is loving in God's kingdom. Then we look at 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 to 3. It says this. It says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. If I, I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and have the faith that can move mountains. Hey, that sounds like a pretty amazing church, doesn't it? But here, what does it say next? And if I have, yeah. But if I don't have love, I am nothing. 
And if I have, give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. I, I tell you what, there's something very powerful about that passage. Sandwiched between the gifts of the Spirit and the body and all of this stuff of the power of God moving. It's like at the very heart of it, if love isn't present, it means nothing. And it doesn't matter how much the prophecies moves in the church and how much we have signs and wonders in the church and how much all the, the kind of cool stuff that we love about church happens. If love isn't present in it, in God's eyes, it's not winning. The gifts are not winning. Love is winning. It's interesting, as Jesus said, look, he didn't say, look, you'll know that they're my disciples by all the gifts that they will move in. The hallmarks of someone who's walking in a relationship with God is this love that you have for one another. Pursuing love. Winning or success in God's kingdom is love. Okay? The greatest of these is what? That's the only thing that's going to remain. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And so if we are not moving in a space of love, I say what? Well, we're not winning. No matter what the results look like in our lives, love has to be an ingredient that's prominent. That's winning. It's loving. Nothing else matters if love isn't present. Uh, Jesus spoke, you know, when he was asked, what are the greatest commandments? Come on, Jesus, tell us what's the greatest things we can do. What's winning? He said, look, there's two. First one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with him. And what? What's the second greatest thing you could do? Love your neighbor as yourself. Those are two greatest things you could possibly do in your life. You want to win, you need to love. How exciting is that? Love. Loving God is, is this desire for His presence. It's, it's reflected in our pursuit of Him. You can't say, I love God and do whatever you like. Even Jesus said, look, you, you, you love me by doing what I command you to do. You see, that's what love looks like in a relationship with God, is us being surrendered to His plan, to His will. Saying, Lord, it's your way, not my way. I want your plan for my life, not my plan for my life. I love you by my response to what you're asking of me, of how you're calling me to change, to become more like you. That's what love looks like in a relationship with God. It isn't coming to church and feeling goosebumps. That isn't love in our relationship with God. Our relationship with God goes far deeper than that. It's, a, it's the heart of surrender saying, God, you can have it all. I'm yours. Have your way in my life. I want to be in your presence. I want to know you more than anything else in this planet. I want you. You see, when that's the driving force, love is in the heart of it. But God will always lead us from that first love for him. He'll always lead us for the love to one another. It doesn't. Those two aren't separated. Because even we see in 1 John, we love God by loving others. The second part of it is loving others. And the way that we treat Him, our care for them, our response to them, our forgiveness. Love, I, I've shared this many times, love is not a feeling or emotion as the world would present it. It's a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice of responding to the Spirit in our lives that says, at this moment in time, you need to forgive. You need to be kind. You need to be gentle. You need to be patient. You need to be all those things that our old nature does not want to be with those people that push the wrong buttons in our lives. It's the Holy Spirit in us that says, look, you need to respond differently right now. And everything in you says, yeah, but it's not fair. It's unjust. I'll be angry. I'll hold resentment. Bitterness feels good. Yeah, but that's not what love is, is it? 
Jesus said, look, you need to forgive, and not just once or twice, but 77 times. I mean, it's innumerable, the space that we need to live in. It's all the demonstration of love. You see, without God, this is impossible, isn't it? To truly love unconditionally, it's impossible. But he's given us his spirit. And that's why if we're in love with him and if we're connected with him and if we're living in that place of surrender to him, he gives us the spirit and his spirit helps us to love. Why? Because God is who? He's love. He is love. And so he helps us walk this out. He's not calling us to do something he himself is separated from, but he's very much a part of it as we respond to it. In fact, it's the fruit of the spirit of God in us, isn't it? Love. And the fruit of spirit is love. The first one that we see in the list is love. So when we look at what is winning, a winning church, running in such a way to win, a winning church is a loving church, isn't it? I don't think you can separate love from winning in God's eyes. Again, it's not results driven. I think in the world's perspective, results are where winning looks like. I mean, even in the church world, can I be honest, we look at winning churches or the churches that grow to be massive churches and, you know, have all the, the lights and the sound and whatever, that's winning. But actually, in God's eyes, is it loving? Are, are people caring for one another? I mean, you can be a very small church in some part of the world. And in God's eyes, you're winning because you're reflecting His heart towards one another, towards the community, towards the people you live with. All of this doesn't matter if love isn't present. Correct? Gifts of the Spirit do not matter if love isn't present. So, we're called to be faithful, I believe. It's what we see in Scripture. We're called to love as Christ loved us. I tell you what, that's a tall order. But thirdly, winning in God's kingdom is living by faith. Living by faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, 7 says, For we live by faith and not by sight. In Hebrews eleven six, 6, Without faith it is impossible to please God. Who is it that we're winning a prize with? It's God. So if you think faith does not need to be part of the equation with winning, you're wrong. It's impossible. I want you to say the word impossible. impossible. Upstairs didn't say it. Okay, let's say it together. Organize, come on. Impossible. There we go, with unison. A little bit of harmony there, I thought. Uh, it's impossible to please God without faith. Faith is so part of our walk with Him. It's impossible to, to please God. For one is that if we don't believe He's there, obviously it's impossible to please Him. But equally, in our response to how we live, faith has to be in the middle of it. Winning or succeeding in God's kingdom requires us to live from a position of faith in all that we are. Faith in who He is. Faith in what Christ has done for us. Faith in His word. Faith in His promises. Faith in His provisions for us. Running in such a way to win requires us to live from a position of faith rather than works. Okay? This whole series, albeit it's only three weeks, running in such a way, way to win is not working harder. 
That's not the point of this series. If you want to win, you trust God more and work less in your own energy, less in your own strength. It's not about what we do. It's about trusting in the one who does it all through us. You want to run to win in your walk with God? Have faith in God. Seems simple, but we get tripped up on it, don't we? Sometimes we forget that it's up to him anyway. We work so hard. We get frustrated. We get discouraged. But he's just calling us to trust in him. Put our hand in his hand. Think of those times of the disciples, whether in the boat, in the storm, or different situations. They just felt they didn't know what to do. And he just challenged them, just, where's your faith? Where's your faith? What was winning in the middle of the boat when the storm's there? What was winning at that moment is just trusting that Jesus was in the boat. And he was going to take care of them. That was, that was winning. It wasn't rowing harder against the waves. It was trusting in Jesus. He said, look, you little faith. You, you're kind of missing the point here, guys. I've been with you for so long. What, you don't get this yet? Faith. You see, it's having faith in God, but then it's letting your decisions and your steps you take in life be directed from that place of faith. Not just our intellect. We're, t- we're called not to lean in our own understanding. And I think it's our default, isn't it? We try to make sense of our lives. We try to make sense of where we're going and how we're going to get there. And we, we want to figure it all out. But we're called to live by faith and not by sight. We're called to live in a different space. And I think it's impossible to, to get from where we, are, where we are at this moment to fulfill what God wants for us next or even today or tomorrow if we're not willing to move in that space of faith. God's calling us to to trust Him more. To put our lives in His hands and see what He will do. I I firmly believe in that that promise of Scripture that He's able to do immeasurably more than what we can dare to dream or imagine. But the, the, the problem between what we see in Scripture and our lives is faith. Is our trust in Him immeasurably more than we could dare to dream or imagine and where we actually are living at, the difference between those two is faith. And again, it's not faith in faith. It's, it's just trusting in Him. It's putting our hope in Him. I think over the years in our lives, we've had moments that God has called us to take steps of faith. I mean, to be honest, this is a moment like all the others. Even in returning to Canada, there's been a step of faith to say, God, if this is you, we'll obey, even though it doesn't seem logical. Sharing with you some of the plans returning to Canada. I mean, our life has been here. Our kids have grown up here. All those things have been here. Yet when God speaks, the challenge for us is to not lean on our own understanding at these moments, these crossroads, and to say, Lord, your will... Your way. I want to choose to trust you, to be faithful to you, to love you, even if I don't know where my next step will land exactly. I know that you hold our future in your hands. And to not will be going against the three things that I've just shared. It'd be not trusting, it'd be not following God's lead and his command for our lives, and it would be not being faithful to the to the call he has for us. And so it's a challenge for all of us in moments in our lives. 
It's the small things daily, but it's also the bigger decisions that we make. Is to be in that position of listening to his voice and following him when he says, take a step, move, do this, don't do that, trust me. Again, I think we get caught up in a works mentality that God will somehow love me more or be pleased with me if I just work harder and harder and harder. It doesn't work that way in God's kingdom. You want to see God's pleasure through your life is just trust him more and more and more. Leaning less on you and you. Pressing in more and more to him. And that in his eyes is winning. That's running in such a way to win. Why? Because you're winning it in his eyes. That's what winning is. Otherwise, you are running aimlessly. You are beating the air. My challenge to Center Church is this, is to run in such a way to get the prize. To be faithful in what God has called each one of you to do and be today. To be faithful in that. Whatever that looks like. That's something between you and God, but be faithful. When the going gets tough, be faithful. It's very easy to stop and give up. That's the easier road always is to stop and give up. But if God hasn't said that, don't be faithful until God releases you to do something different. To pursue love. Make that your one pursuit as individuals, as a church family, to pursue love. There's certainly been prophecies in the past that this would be a disarming church with its love. I, let that be true. But it doesn't just happen. Right? It's the daily decisions. It's the choice for Christ to be center. Your love for him to be number one. First love. But then the love for one another to be the second love. And lastly is living by faith. Letting your faith in God direct your decisions and the steps you take from this point forward. Again, both individually and collectively. That Christ and his word would help direct the steps. But the faith that is required would empower you to fulfill the next leg of Center Church's journey, both here and in Brighton. God would do his very best through your lives. But nothing just happens. I've shared this in the past. Nothing in God's kingdom just happens by chance. Nothing happens by chance. It always happens out of places of obedience and surrender to his plan, his will, his spirit working through our lives. Then eternal things happen. Again, going back to the very first verse, apart from Christ, we can do nothing. But with Christ, all things are possible. All things are possible. Thank you for watching this week's message. For any more information or to find out more of what we do as a church, you can contact us at info at or check out our website at www.center-church.uk.